You are listening to Secret Handshake, the podcast covering the movies that help you identify your friends and maybe make a few more along the way. Coming up, a very special bonus episode covering the Terrifier films and featuring an interview with writer-director Damian Leone. Featuring Babysitters, Satanic Cults, Face Stabbings, Brunettes, Bisections, Head Smashing, Tommy Guns, Murdered Children, Dismemberment, Wanton Nihilism, and Art the Clown. Martin. Yes. Once you've seen an eight-month-old microwave to death, everything else is old hat. Welcome back to another edition of Secret Handshake. I'm your host, Jacob Knight, and joining me as always is Martin Carlson. Martin, you ready to fuck with some fucked up clowns? Man, it's spooky season. Let's get into it. I know. So this is our first bonus episode in a long while, and we're kind of mixing up the format here to where before it was really just interviews with filmmakers and other critics and people who worked in the industry, programmers and stuff. And here we have an interview with writer-director Damien Leone, who made uh, the three films we're going to talk about today, All Hallows' Eve, Terrifier, and Terrifier 2, which is now out in theaters and going to be uh, on demand. Out like today. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like you can totally add it to uh, your queue for uh, you know this Halloween season. Let's say if you're doing the horror movie a day thing that you know I do, and I'm pretty sure, well, you just do that all year round. It's weird for me. I actually, this time of year, I usually watch more like kind of, kid stuff like i get more into like the hokey i watch like charlie brown great pumpkin and i watch like the you've Garf- got mail Garf- garfield garfield halloween special and things Miss like Congeniality. that yeah but you know i, I kind of go back to like i get into the whole like, pumpkin carving like kind of side of things but i'm still like ready to watch as many horror films as i watch the rest of the year yeah like you you never take a day off <laughs> and, and i really don't either so like for us this is uh, kind of just schedule and business as usual but like for most people they do the horror movie a day thing to celebrate the season and like terrifier 2 is now here to be one of the new releases you kind of kind of work into your schedule but we got to talk with damian leone and we got to see this movie at fantastic fest uh, the sequel that is and i'm kind of fascinated by these films and, and it was a good kind of entry point for us to to mess with the bonus features since we hadn't done with one for a while to where we can talk about some movies that are not exactly outside of our purview like they're definitely cult films and stuff but like we don't do many modern movies and we certainly don't do a whole lot of deep tv movies um and the terrifier films i don't know they don't seem like things that normally appeal to me because i don't like modern low budget horror because half the time it it almost feels like junky homages 
parodies almost like the Astron uh, six type stuff yeah. or like uh, just frankly garbage stuff that comes out on like wild eye releasing that I just Velocipaster, you yeah. know, or like gravitas, the, gravitas ventures. Like exactly. That kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Or the asylum, yeah. frankly, sci-fi type stuff, but terrifier, it always kind of flew under the radar for me because I lumped it in with that stuff. And it wasn't until I saw that this movie was programmed at Fantastic Fest that I was like, huh, that's weird. And then I reached out to a buddy of ours, James Shapiro, and made a couple jokes. And I realized that he had already seen the film. And he was like, it's actually pretty good. And like, people are really into these movies, you know? And that's when I was like, huh, maybe I should do some investigation. And we got lucky enough to land the interview with Damien. And we both were like, all right, let's commit to this. Let's do the bit and watch all three Art the Clown films, starting with All Hallows' Eve. And these movies are like really interesting objects in the modern indie cinema realm. Absolutely. I I think put another way for me, my relationship with these films before seeing them was kind of um, cocky disdain, um, where... I'm not a gore hound. Like I, I don't mind gore in films, but I don't usually seek out films that are just purposefully gory. Um, sure. And I'm in a lot of like horror groups on Facebook and on, and on Twitter. And I thought, you know, we both follow a lot of these same groups. Right. And a lot of people are like, Oh my God, terrifier, terrifier, terrifier when it first came out. And then when terrifier two was being announced, people were losing their minds. Like, um, a lot of crowdfunding, I believe, for both movies, actually for the for All Hallows Eve as well. A lot of a lot of fan power behind these, um, and a very kind of splatterpunk community that's really kind of embraced Art the Clown as this new horror figure. And I I just stayed away. I said, you know what, like, good for y'all, but I don't think it's my bag. And I'm really surprised by the films, and I'm surprised by how much I really liked them. Not just liked them, but I, I'm inter- like you said it before. I'm, I'm interested by these films, like, and back to your point about you know staying away from a lot of like low budget DTV horror, you know, especially anything that comes on Amazon Prime rent for four dollars, you know, or even sometimes comes through Shutter. Um, you're like, it's trying to be in especially the slasher realm. It's like I don't even want to fuck with it because you, it's just it's it's hard to crack that. And like we've talked before about things like Chrome school where everyone wants to create this new horror icon, this new slasher figure. It's another reason I stayed away from art, the clown. I'm not saying they cracked it, but um, you were saying off mic, it just does the thing. Like it leans in and it's like, there's no meta narrative here. There's no uber complicated mythology, especially in the first two in the, in the anthology and terrifier where it's just like, it's just straightforward mayhem gore. And there's no sense of, we go to a lot of festivals where that, there's that sense of, a, you know, you see a young filmmaker make their movie and they show it. And with every scene, you have the sense of them saying, you like it, right? Do you like that? And I was like, I've already seen that 30 times before. This is one of the first films in a long time where I could feel the director doesn't give a shit what I think, partly, but also like he knows how to push it past what I'm expecting, not just in gore, but in terms of just like pure brutality and focus. Yeah. This one, you described it as pure off mic earlier tonight. And that is a a word I want to get back to because one of the things that I think this movie captures is 
the disreputable air of like the knockoff films that came in the wake of like Halloween, particularly the ones that were produced in the Northeast that we really like, the New York films, because this is very much mm. a Northeastern Long Island, Staten Island, like New York. Like the Prowler like, movie. a bit. The violence of the Prowler. The Prowler, Sleepaway Camp, yeah. The Burning. Like oh, The Burning is a little more respectable version of these, but even like one of your favorites is something like Final Exam. Like the, it feels like a movie that's kind of made by somebody that might be unwell, you know, mm -hmm. like because it's, it's not just pushing the edge. Like it wants to like disturb you. It uses the gore. The, the gore is there to almost to like a pornographic degree and like doing the whole, like, you know, instead of a cum shot, we get an arm being chopped off or a girl being cut in half or like what have you. But here it's also like, there's a, a glee and a sadism that's kind of on display that, that you, I don't know. It's hard to fake, let's say. And there is an edgelord kind of quality about it to where like you can feel it poking you in the ribs a little bit and trying to provoke you a little bit. But also like this, these movies are clearly made by a guy, Damien Leone, who was in love with effects the same way that like, you know, a lot of like old school makeup artists like Rick Baker, Savini, uh, Savini, like the, yeah, this is clearly the, a movie made by a guy who loves Tom Savini. was just completely fascinated by him, but how it's all sort of like magic tricks to these dudes and like really trying to push the limits of like what you can put on screen and how realistic this stuff can look because like the graphic violence in these movies are like not just stomach churning, but you're like, oh man, do I, does it really have to go this long? Does it have to be this unflinching? It, it leans, I mean, it leans into some amazing effects. And from what I've read, the budget on these, you know, is very minuscule. Again, a lot of crowdfunding, but they well, know. All Hallows Eve was basically short films that he'd already shot. He got funding for basically like a wraparound story, if yeah. I'm getting the, the behind the scenes right. And then he shot another one and basically made a feature because originally Terrifier was just a short film. Yeah. And then it's included in All Hallows Eve and Art the Clown. Like it was originally conceived by by Leone as like just this almost like a harbinger of death that was like stalking a girl on a bus and was like supposed to kidnap her and take her to like this cult of like satanic worshipers, which is the first story in, yeah. in the movie. Um, but then he just found out that he liked the character more and more and people were responding to it. So it was like, okay, he just expanded it and then he made terrifier. And then he made an actual feature called terrifier, which is just the art, the clown slasher film. But it's like, you can see like the light bulb go off in the guy's head almost in like real time of being like, Oh, I might be onto something here. And he just kind of follows the thread. That's another reason I stayed away from the series was like um, creepy clowns are played out. I thought they were played out. You know, it's like we had Pennywise who's fine, but like everyone still thinks creepy clowns are like great. There's all these movies like Clown Town, you know, uh, which was like a, another kind of low, low, low budget DTV series of it's like. They're not scary. They're kind of fucking lame. I remember being at Texas Frightmare um, a couple years ago, and they have the costume contest every year. 
and some really great shit goes out there. One guy did a, a mashup of like Ash and Predator that was just like amazing. And then these three guys just in clown costumes get up and no one cheers for them at all. It's just like crickets. And they're kind of like looking at the audience like, what? We're creepy clowns. Like, it's like, man, you guys are like 20 years too fucking late. That's how I felt about Art the Clown. But I'm like, oh my God, like. What you just described sounds like an always sunny bit. It, like I imagine like Mac, Charlie, and Frank getting up there in like crown out outfits and Frank being like, what? I'm a creepy clown, man. They're like, no. These guys were like aggressive with the audience too. It was hilarious. They're like black, like the art would be great. And they were hanging around. They're kind of like juggalo douchebags, you know? Sure. And Which is another reason why creepy clowns have kind of gone by the wayside. <laughs> like insane clown posse has taken all of the hype out of like nasty clowns. Yep. And it's just like, I don't want to even be in that world. Um, Fago baby. But this, but again, these movies, like he's, he's something there's like, I guess there's also a confidence behind it. Like there's purity, but also confidence of just like, take me or leave me as a filmmaker, take me or leave me as these films. Like, cause especially like, you know, the shorts are very amateurish, you know, like they're the rough. way they're shot first terrifier. I think pretty poorly shot. A lot of it is, is pretty cheap, really cheap looking and like, but you could see that like, but the, but the effects are always like the kind of backbone of these and just again, like a, a thematic nihilism to all of these. I mean, like the way that art is this, this like, he's not fun. Like Freddie when he's like, ha ha ha. Like I'm playing with you. You want some soul food. Like that's, that's not scary anymore. Right. Freddie crossed over that threshold into like being goofy. And I love Freddie. This though is just like, he never speaks. He's just demented. And like you said, it does feel the film feels like you're in, unsure you're you're in sure hands but like unstable hands in terms of or an unstable mind is like taking you on this journey which is kind of great for a horror film when you actually start to feel that way yeah because so much stuff is is entirely played like safe these days and like the one thing that i really do enjoy even all hallow all hallows eve which isn't a particularly great movie but is kind of a fascinating case study in that you can watch him develop as a filmmaker, A, inside of All Hallows' Eve, just because, like, the short films, you can kind of tell he's he's working it out, he's figuring out how to make a movie, how to place a camera, how like, when to time an effect. Even the effects themselves, like, the big weird sludge monster that comes out of like the that. end of the satanic cult uh, bit. Like he's, he's growing and then terrifier feels like him being like, okay, I can now shoot a feature. How do I expand that? And like terrifier to a degree does feel like a short film that's stretched out to like 83 minutes or whatever. There's not quite enough meat on the bone, but like he's getting there. And then terrifier two, he just throws all caution to the wind and is like, I'm going to make the slasher epic. I'm going to make a 140 minute slasher, which to be fair, no slasher movie should be this long. As much as I like this movie and I had fun with it, I still was like, I admire your moxie, man. But like, this is a lot of time to spend with just wanton, brutal nihilism. But like All Hallows Eve, to get back to the original point, like it's just an anthology. And it's like him, again, showing a kind of moxie of being like, okay, how do I string all these things into a feature while I figure out a wraparound story? What's the wraparound story? Okay, there's a babysitter. Of course, there's a babysitter. 
they find a haunted weird like VHS tape on Halloween. The videotape contains all the different short films and it's also possibly haunted by this terrifying like clown figure. So like you can see him working it all out and like just do like you said, doing the thing. Like he was just like, how do I get the movie made? And then he essentially has with all Hallows Eve, his proof of concept if you're taking it to like the most uh, professional approach to filmmaking, he's like being like, okay, well now I have a thing that I can show to people. That's like, I can make a movie, give me money to make the movie. And he takes the money. And what does he do? He makes terrifier, which is, I think closer in like spirit to Halloween like the like John Carpenter one, you can see him trying to do that to a certain degree with like the synth score and the the girls being stalked through one night. But then it turns into almost like hostile style say, yeah. torture porn. Yeah, it's the there's barely a plot. I mean, part one. I mean, Terrifier one is you know a series of unfortunate events for these women. Right? They they come across Art the Clown. Um, they get trapped in this building, then killed off one by one. People keep coming to that building being killed. It's just this like kind of just domino effect. And it's a very simple plot uh, in, in that respect. But again, it's, it's art. The clown is on display. He's the focus of this as well as like, look, look at the gore I have here. Like I'm doing the thing. And I actually, um, I saw this on letterbox, but someone had said, um, the raid to raid two is terrifier to terrifier two, where it's you know I'd never thought about that. That's actually not bad. So I I want I want to look up who was. So I want to give them credit, but you know um, that's a great point because you have like terrifier one is just like this is just pure brutality for you know eighty two minutes. Um, it gets right to the good stuff right away. Um, you know the raid same thing, and it's just nonstop. And that's also a, almost like a proof of concept film too. Of like look at all we can do. Like we're, with this amount of money, with one location, we're crazy. And these guys, and these Z lot is cool, man. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah, you show off art, or you show off, you know, Eco UAs and his team, right? And then Ray Two is this much more grand, you know, kind of like there's a lot more moving parts plot wise. It's more of like a, don't say globe trotting. There's a lot more going on with many characters and kind of backstabbings and like suspense. Same with, you know, we got, what, 40 minutes almost of intro with the, the brother and sister and mom and Terrifier 2, which I, I quite like, and I kind of like the the mythic comic booky thing that he's doing as well. That's what I wanted to get to, too, is that he's also establishing kind of like a stable of actors with, like, Katie McGuire, who's the redheaded babysitter in the first one. She comes back as the, uh, like, Interviewer. talk show host in, the, in, in Terrifier, um, and, like, they he's bringing all these people along and kind of establishing his own universe in a weird way that he keeps coming back to. And like, I think that's part of the thing that has made these movies like kind of a cult success is they want to revisit this world. They want to see it expand and everything. But terrifier Two is like, now we're going to hang out in this world for a little bit. And like, you kind of dig my style and let's see how far I can take it with you. See, the Raid to Raid 2 comparison is really great, but the movie that Terrifier 2 reminds me the most of is Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. Mm. Like, it feels like 
where I made this point on our Deal Breakers episode with Halloween 2, and I still stand by it, is that like Halloween was the movie Rob Zombie was basically contractually obligated to make, where Halloween 2 was the movie that he always wanted to make. And I feel that way about Terrifier 2 versus Terrifier, is that it's almost like he's like, we got all this shit out of the way. You like Art the Clown. You like all the prosthetic effects that I put together myself. You like this kind of excessive level of violence that I, I've completely committed to. Terrifier 2 is that times 10. It kind of, I kept thinking of how Damien Leone is a better version of Joe Bagos. Um, I knew you were going to bring Joe Bagos up. Um, and because he does, again, he does the thing. I think Bagos is very like looking at the audience and like, I think he's got a thin understanding of why things are good. You think about like almost human, you know, is this very low budget, but it's just like, Oh, this is so surface level. Like, um, you know, uh, a mind's eye. It's like, I'm going to do Cronenberg, but I have like three brain cells, you know, like doesn't play. Um, I don't like, I don't like bliss. I don't like, like VFW. And this here is like hardcore horror. That's also like, it's funny because I feel like Bagos kind of is following a path of Rob Zombie of like kind of going for that look and that style. But like, I'd rather go and watch De Leone's films where it's like, oh man, you got something new that you're working on. You have a fucked up worldview. You don't just seem like a bro who's like, you know, dressing up in Rob Zombie clothes. I mean, super mean right now, but like, um, I mean, I mean that in terms of his films, Bagos's films. Um, Vegas also looks like a Hesher that would hang outside of like 7-Eleven and sell you meth too. Yeah. So like where Damien Leone, that was one of the things that we'll get to the interview in the last part of this episode is that like when I interviewed him, like he just seems like a dad from Queens where he was like, Hey man, what's up? Like half the time we talk about his class of 1984 poster that he has behind him. And I was like, yo, I love that movie too. And he was like, fuck yeah, dude. I love this. Like he's just a guy who is like, who loves movies the way that we loved movies. And he wants to make his own version of it. And I think where Bagos's movies feel like glorified fan films. Yeah, that's good. That's well put. uh, This has a bit of that, but it feels like a guy really working out like, shit inside of his brain because there's some disturbing stuff in these movies where Bagos, like you said, is kind of always winking at you. Yeah. Um, and I'll be fair. Bagos has gotten better as a filmmaker. I think like bliss and VFW, like are much, I like bliss and I like VFW. Like I'm ripping on Bagos because like, I think there is a kind of dumbed down ethos to his films. And not that, like, the Terrifier movies are any kind of real intellectual exercise or anything, but, like, I think he has gotten better. I really like Bliss as, like, this weird Abel Ferrara, like, kind of vampire mm-hmm. thing. I like VFW quite a bit as, like, him That's doing, my favorite like, an of... Assault on Precinct 13 yeah. type thing. I'm excited to watch his Christmas Bloody Christmas that just p- premiered at Beyond Fest. Like, I'm still going to watch his stuff, but, like, I watch it all, and it just... It never... F- feels like it transcends being a movie made by buddies for your buddies. And like, it's, there's no broader audience considered. And to be fair, I don't think the terrifier films 
really consider an audience beyond the hardcore horror fans because like I wouldn't even show this to like lay people like if you're not if I didn't know that you're like 100 are you cool like <laughs> yeah are you down because like we're gonna go to some fucked up territory here it's like the John Mulaney thing is like, everyone's gonna have to get real cool about a lot of stuff real quick yeah <laughs> we're gonna watch are this. you okay watching a girl get sawed in half and like graphic protracted like no cutaway kind of style because you gonna get it there's a scene in part two that's so fucked up where he is it the head bashing scene no he attacks her maybe it is but he attacks her friend um pretends to be a trick-or-treater Comes in, chops her arm off. Oh, yeah. On camera, scalps her. It's fucked up. And then stabs her a bunch, peels off her face. The mom comes in and he's basically just peeling this girl away. And all that's left is like, it's like, a, it's like an animatronic. And she's like, mommy. And her head's like, oh my God. And like, he's painted on the walls. And it feels close to reading a you know, an Edward Lee or a Jack Ketchum where it's just like, again, like a, a hardcore, a hardcore, like eighties paperback. Um, this is the worst parts of my psyche kind of just poured he, out. He, yeah. Here it is. And, and again, I think even, even with the non gore, like he's really good at the moments that he, I think he has them in all three of women who are being stared at by Art the Clown. It's this it's really weird moments, but the actor who plays Art is really amazing. David Howard Thornton. Yeah, and like he really is like I think he his is, physicality is ridiculous. He, he's phenomenal, and he's just his his facial tics and like that 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 garish smile, obviously with the help of makeup, but his dead eyes when he turns from the the bright, you know, like I'm having fun. It's kind of like again, it's it's another very famous clown, the Joker. You know, when he goes from the kind of I'm having a good time to that, like, you know, hooded eyes. I'm going to mess up your life. Like that scene in the first one where he's just staring at the lead character in that, in that pizza place, you know, um, and happens in part two, I believe as well. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, happens in part two. I well, and even well. the short film is like when he's stalking that girl on the bus, the sub, yeah, too. the subway or the bus, the bus station. Yeah. Um, those are really kind of like, they're, it's so simple too, you know. It's like, hey, the whole, you know, the whole thing. There's nothing funny about a clown at midnight, yeah. you know. <laughs> and, it's true, and that's that's this, you know. That's that's the pitch. Um, but it, he he succeeds. Um, all that being said, like, I don't know how often I want to watch these movies. Um, I know they're really besides being gory. They have, again, a really nihilistic worldview. I think of the kind of bookends of, of the first Terrifier, of the first feature. Um, oh, and the disfigured the, girl? You have you have this disfigured girl uh, on, on a, a news that's channel. The, that's the, the prosthetic effect. Not to cut you off, I'm sorry. That's yeah. the one that fucks me up the most. Her face is so... Ugh. It's such a... So, for listeners, like it starts out... Um, they're interviewing um, the... Uh, last survivor of the art, the clown massacre um, of, of some massacre he, that he inflicted um, this girl's face looks like sometimes you see people who have like a bear attack, you know, and they've kind of remade this person's face and it's, it's really horrific. Like 
You know who she reminded me of? What's the, the character in Hannibal? Mason Verger, you know, was, where his it, face is like chewed off by Hannibal Lecter. That's it, exactly what I actually wrote that down. Yeah, completely Gary Oldman in, in Hannibal. You know, and he's the Riz. You know, and the, even the way that her she has no lips. She's kind of she's a monster now. He's made her a monster. And the end of the film is, you know, um, and she at the beginning she kills she kills the woman who's interviewing her. Um, and the end is you realize, oh, this was the survivor of the movie we just watched. And it's this idea that like evil begets evil. Like it's just it's like it continues. It's like he Art the Clown is like almost like beyond being a killer, he's a force of evil that is like bleeding out into the world. It, it, like almost like Texas Chainsaw, you know that kind of sense of like the world is unwell. Well, I was I was gonna get, compare it more again to Michael Myers, but before Michael Myers was Michael Myers and he was the shape, this idea <laughs> yeah, that he yeah. was an unknowable entity that just kind of infected the world and was unstoppable the entire time. That's what Art the Clown feels like to me, and honestly, the bookends of Terrifier uh, remind me of Halloween Four. To where like mm. it's about passing on, you know that that kind of evil to Danielle yeah. Harris at the end in the clown outfit and everything that that's pretty similarly colored, let's say, to Art the Clown's like black and white outfit yeah. that he wears. And the other thing too is, uh, Damien Leone, we're on to you, baby, because you clearly have a type and you grew up obsessed and in love with Danielle Harris because you love your brunettes. His type is my type. Yeah. I think all the women the, in his movies are so hot. They're, and they're all like really great. Too. Yeah, they're like, good. Like they're like, I really I shouldn't think, sound that surprised. <laughs> but like Lauren Lavera as the, as the lead as uh, Sierra or Sienna in, um, in part two is phenomenal. Like she's like a her total, angel costume. She's a badass because it turns because she's very sexy. You're like okay, yeah, but also like she's cool as fuck. There's some imagery at the end of her like covered in blood with these like wings, and she's like coming at him, and it's like that really with a, I think in a different director again with a person who's really not so sure of what they're doing or confident. It could have come across as really kind of stupid. Her and, stuff reminds me of all of. Um... Uh, the lead in the guest, the Adam Wingard movie. Oh, Mike and Monroe. Yeah, like yeah. They, there's a real similar arc between them in terms of like how they they kind of uh, self actualize and like use their powers to turn it against like this evil force that's coming against them. Like especially all the synth, like the score in part two is so fucking good, but it's also so Wingardy in that it's all yeah. this dark wave. Yeah, because it's not Carpenter, it's Wingardy. It's yeah. That, it's that real, like, yeah, it's that, um, or even even Stranger Things a right. little bit there, too. But, you know, what I also was thinking about was, you know, you and I love our slashers, and we've talked many, many times on this podcast about how I love, what I love with slashers, it's character stuff, right? And spending time with these these teens. We get none of that in the first Terrifier. I mean, it really just jumps right in. We get a little bit of them joking about, oh, I'm drunk and I want to go get food. But, like, it's like four minutes. We don't get to, like, spend time and get to, like, like you get a scream. You know, you get more time to know the characters. You do get more, though, in part two. And I, I like that expansion of the main, the final girl. They really lean into this as the final girl, the full-on angel battle woman. Her brother... You know, her mom, their whole backstory. Um, I think it opens up the movie a lot more. And this is super fucking cliche, but I give more of a shit when things go wrong. 
for them. You know, it's just pure identification versus I didn't get to know the characters on one at all, which is fine. But this is like they're um, just meat for the grinder, absolutely terrifier. Yeah. But the the one thing I do want to go back to is uh, David Howard Thornton because the other actor that he reminds me of is Doug Jones. Mm, uh, in all yeah. the Del Toro stuff and the way that he brought that lanky kind of physicality and almost feels otherworldly at times. Um, that's the thing I think that brings a real menace to that character because like it doesn't feel like a human being. Like Art the Clown never feels like a guy in clown makeup. Like he fe- feels like a demon. I mean, you think about the beginning of part two where. I love that opening of him going to the laundromat and like stripping down, but he still has like his mask and everything on or whatever that is. It's his real face. We don't know. You know, I know that in the first Terrifier, we seen him kind of like put it on from behind, but we're not sure. But it's like him naked, like with his mask on, like reading, a, I think a newspaper. Like yeah. guy, it's just like terrifying. He, he's like a goblin. You know, he's this like, he's almost like Gollum, like from like the underground. He's just, his, it's that very like, disgusting like he it's just yeah like you said very inhuman um and it really adds to like this guy because he also is like a monster like he's immortal he shoots himself in the fucking head at the end of part one and then he's back he's almost surprised by it i think he like he's like oh shit yeah he's like oh i'm alive well and the, the one thing about his performance in part two that i love is that he gets to be a clown like, he gets to relish the death that he's participating in. He gets to sneak up on people. He gets to play pranks almost. Like, they're really leaning into the idea that, like, clowns are also funny. But, like, they just spin it in terms of, like, they're they're darkly humorous here. Like, he this guy enjoys what he's doing. And, like, that makes it all the more fucked up. It does, like turn around I think on the audience of like it's as as sometimes like is you know him goofing off like it's all so disturbing that like you think about the way that like people have basically the incel idiot community has like fallen in love with the Joker yeah as a figure you know they're like oh no he's actually right like if you watch Terrifier you're like oh I think I think art's on with something. You're fucked. Like there's no middle ground on this is like, it's very like, again, just depraved. Well, and I, again, I don't want to put too uh, strong of a magnifying glass on this movie or like try to turn it into some kind of intellectual exercise, but it does turn it against you. The audience member and makes you question why you're taking so much pleasure in this level of gore and sadism. Yeah. Because, like, do you really want to relate to Art the fucking clown? I don't think so, man. No. It's it's uncomfortable. It's I mean, it's an uncomfortable watch. And I think that is, again, like, I don't want to put words in the director's mouth, but it, it feels like the purpose is to make us uncomfortable, at least slightly. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it does just... It does... <laughs> everything with such a plum, it's also well, not just well produced in terms of the gore, but like the way he, the way he depicts the gore and shows it like the shot selection and the reveals of like what's happening. Um, Well, there's some real magic at work here. Like it's getting back to the idea of, of gore and monster makeup effects artists being magicians to where like, there are times where you watch the shots and you're like, 
how did he pull that off? Because that's really elaborate. And like, there's no cuts. Like the camera doesn't flinch. You just saw that arm get cut off. You just saw that, that dude get his face bashed in, in an Halloween adventure store. You just saw like somebody get decapitated or whatever. And like, there wasn't any real trickery that you can spot. So like, how, how do they, how did he do it? It also kind of reminded me of early, like, Herschel Gordon Lewis, like, of Blood Feast. Oh, yeah. Where it was the same thing, where it really was showing off the gore. I mean, like, I think of, like, him cutting that tongue out in the, in the hotel room in Blood Feast and holding it up for the camera, literally. And, and, and Art does that, too, where he, a lot of times he decapitates people. He holds the head up to his face, but also to the, to the camera. And it's... It's cool because it also shows how good the fucking work they did was. A lot of times, like fake heads, oh yeah, can look kind of fake. But like, I'm like, oh my god, that's like amazing. It's almost like the director is saying, like, no, my guys are really good. Like my team. Look well, and he good. does a lot of I, it. Like he's right. an effects guy. So, and that's the thing that he he talks about in our interview together is that like part of the reason that he made the, those movies is that he just fell in love with Savini's work and was like, how do you do that? I want to do that. There's also, you know, he knighted the demons this shit with a, a fucking dip, dick ripping. Oh, yeah. Ooh. That's some, it's some good stuff. But there's also this twisted sense of humor to it that reminded me of John Waters. Like, mm. especially the dream sequences where he, like, machine guns a whole, like, television set full of children, basically, or, like the way that the movie kind of leans into this trashiness and is fine being trashy. Like it's almost like being like, take it or leave it again. But like, you're going to, if you're going to like this, you're going to find pleasure in it and you're going to find humor in it. And like, I'm not going to be ashamed of like the type of film that I'm making. Like this is mine. Kind of reminds me too of like Todd Solon's like happiness, Jesus. like that fantasy he has of like killing people in the park, like oh yeah, like that kind of like that kind of energy too. Um, that scene is really fucked up though with the Tommy gun. Like that's a really like that was the moment I fell in love with the movie to where I was like, oh shit, I'm 100 percent on board here. I mean, I, I was. It actually also reminded me of American Werewolf in London with just the, oh the, yeah, the, the, with the not the the Nazi werewolf zombies. You know, that whole scene where it's also just like cacophonous and terrifying and like unsettling. Um, and, and I like, I do like that he deep, he somewhat deepens the mythology um, without like getting stuck on it in part two. Like you get this history of like the circus a little bit, how her dad was maybe mentally connected somehow to Art the Clown. They, they, they hint that their dad, her dad was losing his mind before he passed away. I think made it might have killed himself. I think it is it's, supposed to be he killed himself. Yeah, and that there's like... But Spoilers. he also is... Like, he, he created this character that his daughter is now playing for Halloween. Like, she dresses up as this, this battle angel. Um, and also the the whole idea of like he might have transmitted like his disease to her little brother because her little brother's basically like a school shooter in training. Yeah, and it's her her like being really worried about him, and she even says like, you know, basically kind of Dahmer style, watch out for when he starts bringing home dead animals or yeah. starts killing cats and shit, you know. And of course that happens in the film, and you see. Um, art kind of playing with that. And you also, I mean, another thing that really connects to Halloween to the zombie film is the little girl ghost. 
who's oh in. yeah like that's all the on. hallucinatory stuff is just him doing zombie halloween too yeah and I, I really liked it in this one though i thought that girl was really fucking creepy um i mean it's not the masterpiece that rob zombies halloween 2 is but like yeah we're getting there yeah well, what can you do right <laughs> yeah i mean you if you want to play can't, with the big can't win boys, them all <laughs> but do you want to get to our interview with damian leone let's do it all right jacob Damien. What's up, buddy? How are you, man? Good, man. How you doing? Good. I love your Class of 1984 poster you got behind you. That's one of my favorite films. Dude, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. <laughs> yeah. Mark, Mark Lester is a real hero of mine. Um, also, may I, say, may I add, Commando is also one of my favorite movies of all time. So he's Yeah, a, I mean... Uh, beast. He's a beast. Exactly. <laughs> uh but I want to thank you for uh, coming on the show and giving us a brief bit of your time. Um, I want to just dive right, right in and kind of ask you, like, what was, I guess, the slasher movie that made you want to make slasher movies originally? Or did you want to make slasher movies at all? Yeah, you know, I don't think it was one particular one, but those were my heroes when I grew up, honestly. And I've been watching those movies, the the, the, the classic slashers, Freddy, Jason, Michael Myers, Leatherface. I've been watching those since I'm three, four years old. So it was just always there. And I was obsessed with not just horror movies, but movies in general. But I had a very soft spot in my heart for the slashers. I loved monsters and I loved the way they looked. But it wasn't until... I would say I was about seven years old. I discovered uh, a VHS tape called Screen Greats, which was Tom Savini, special makeup effects artist. That, that was his how-to, basically, video. And it was the first time I saw what a makeup artist did and, and someone who created the monsters. And not only did he create the monsters, but he created Jason. And I saw him there with the uh, Jason puppet from Friday the 13th Part 4. And that just sort of blew my mind and a light bulb went off. And I was from that point on, I was obsessed with makeup effects. And when I, but I, I was still very young, so I didn't get into makeup effects till I was about 12. But when that happened, that's when I knew that I got bit by that bug and I needed to just be a makeup effects artist. And I started filming those effects with my buddy's father's camcorder. And that led to us making little short films. And then when we were making those short films, that's when I realized I wanted to be a, a filmmaker and I loved the entire process. Where did uh, Art the Clown originally come from? Like what part of your psyche or was this something you were scared of as a kid or like, cause that's the thing is he's such a unique design and he's now kind of become a cult slasher icon. I, I had to pick your brain a bit on where the Genesis was there. Of course, yeah. Um... Listen, I certainly uh, thought clowns were creepy. I didn't have a specific fear of clowns, but uh, I loved uh, Tim Curry's Pennywise. You know, I was probably six years old when that premiered, you know, on TV. And I remember it really freaking out my sister and I. And we watched both uh, you know, both parts on TV, and that was really creepy. And there was a there was another clown movie called Clown House that uh, was very, yeah yeah. I mean, that was a creepy one. That was three silent clowns. Um, so I definitely appreciated clowns and I knew there was something very disturbing there, but, um, you know, usually things, movies I make or ideas that they'll start with a visual. I'm very visual with everything that I do. And then the story will sort of evolve around that. 
But ironically, Art the Clown was the total opposite. I had an idea of a clown just terrorizing a woman on a city bus alone, sort of like a Twilight Zone episode kind of setting, just in the middle of the night. And uh, it was one of many ideas just floating around in my head. And then when it, it came time to make my first, what I considered my first official short film. I was going to make a film finally on 35 millimeter. It was going to be my calling card. Once I got out of uh, high school, I was hoping I could submit it to festivals and Hollywood would come knocking on my door. And, uh, and I knew I had this idea with the clown. So I said, I'll, I'll kick off the short film with this. Eventually it leads to a woman being abducted and handed over to a satanic cult. But I said, I had this clown idea. I said, the clown could be the one that abducts her and brings her to this cult and then when it came down to well what does this clown look like how does he act it really started with tim curry's pennywise and i didn't want to do anything even remotely close to that character so if you look at them side by side they are so polar such polar opposites i mean one's very colorful one's black and white and simple one speaks one doesn't one has hair one doesn't i mean one uses weapons one doesn't so i really owe a lot to tim curry's pennywise in that regard um you know, and as far as his face goes, I just love the classic sort of witchy devil look with pointed features, a pointed chin, you know, the sunken in cheekbone, you know, the cheekbones and the eye sockets and all that kind of stuff. So he, he sort of evolved over time. You know, it wasn't until I made the, my second short film that I said, OK, I have something here because everybody who sees this short film loves art. They want me to keep doing more. And I said, now I'll make a short film based solely on this character, but I'll turn him into a slasher because I love slashers. And he just he just grows every time. Every time I do something with him, the fan base grows a little more. Now, there's a distinctive, let's say, northeastern feel uh, to your films. And even when you listen to your voice, like you you've got the accent and everything. I'm from Philly uh, myself. And that's one of the reasons that I love uh, your movies so much. But I wondered if that was important to you to almost keeping that regional aspect, because that defined a lot of the slashers that I even grew up with and like you would come to like kind of figure out later, like stuff like the burning or something like it felt like New York because it was made by New Yorkers. Right. You know? And I wondered if that was key to you to, to kind of keep in the movie's personality. Sure. Sure. I don't, I don't um, consciously go in to a movie saying I have to keep that. I think it's just organic. I think that's just the vibe that I bring because it is a part of me, but not only that, I, I just grew up loving so many of those gritty New York movies since I'm a since I'm a kid, especially horror movies. But big ones, big influences were things like Maniac and yeah. Basket Case. Um, but again, then you had other movies like Driller Killer. But then you had things like Taxi Driver and The Warriors. And I love that gritty 70s New York feel uh, so much. And I at some level, I'm always trying to recapture that a little bit, a little bit of that essence so uh, but it, there's no doubt it's definitely sort of ingrained in my dna <laughs> so this has become kind of your universe now and with each movie you know you've expanded little by little to where now terrifier 2 is this big almost two and a half hour long kind of slasher epic and i wondered <laughs> how you feel personally as an artist that you felt like you've kind of grown with each movie and, and even with the universe itself. Yeah. Well, I hope to grow, uh, with every film. <clears throat> Sorry. And I think, uh, I think every film you get to make is a blessing first of all, but it should be an opportunity to grow and learn from your past failures. 
<laughs> and I look at almost everything I make as a failure. It's certainly, certainly <laughs> everything you make, everything I make has, has tons of flaws in it. And unlike a lot of people who are afraid of criticisms, I embrace them all the time. And I read every comment I could find, uh, every YouTube video, uh, every review on IMDb or Letterboxd, everything. I, I want to know what people think of my work. And if I, if I stumble across a consensus, a unanimous consensus, that, uh, that's something that's really weak or lacking, something that I can improve upon, I will absolutely work so hard on doing that. And that was certainly something I did with Terrifier 2. I wanted to learn from the mistakes that I made on the first one. But at the same time, you have to be true to your own voice and you can't let everybody just dictate what you're making. So you have to try and walk a, a fine line. Um, so, you know, I mean, most people would tell me you're, you're crazy. You can't possibly make a movie that, that that's that long, a slasher film that's you know, two hours and 18 minutes long. And I didn't set out to do that. I, I never thought about a runtime. I was just I wrote the script I wanted to write. You know, we shot it. And then it wasn't until I got in the editing room that I realized, oh, my God, this thing is really long and um you know it was even longer and there were there were scenes that i just knew were not driving the movie in, in any way so i was i just didn't even bother cutting them so there were days of our lives that we just wasted you know uh, just shooting scenes but you do what's right for the movie and uh, i didn't think this was a movie that was filled with just filler i i every every scene in this movie to me was driving the narrative or upping the stakes or you were learning something new about characters and their personalities their dynamics so yeah, I'm, I'm proud of it, man. I hope I did learn, though, a lot about the structuring of film, especially uh, in regards to the heroes that I brought into this movie and the, the, the family dynamic. I mean, that was something I really uh, I really tried to focus on. Yeah, you actually kind of just took the wind out of the sails of my next question is I did wonder what possessed you to make the slasher epic. So like. Well, I guess what was the original length of like the script that you wrote? Yeah, I think it was a hundred and maybe 10 pages, 16 pages. Ah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which isn't, you know, it's not, it's pretty standard. Um, listen, I did want to make, I knew going into this, because <clears throat> you could even see when we did our, made our Indiegogo campaign and uh, Dave and I, we had to, you know, present it to the audience. I said, look, this is going to be our and I'm not comparing my movie to these, but I was just the mindset. I said, you know, this is going to be our Evil Dead 2, our Dawn of the Dead. It had to be the bigger sequel. Um, and especially in regards to Dawn of the Dead, the original, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. I mean, that's one of the most excessive horror films of all time. Um, there's actually, there's a lot of things in common that I love, which is like, we have a very similar runtime. We're both not rated. Uh, so, uh, and that's, you know, the huge inspiration to me, especially how graphic the violence is and how generous that movie is. I mean, you're constantly getting special effects and headshots and zombie bites. I mean, through the entire movie, it's like overload. And I want, that's the experience I wanted people to have with Terrifier too. I didn't want it to, I wanted it to just be like a relentless horror movie where you can't believe how much good stuff we're throwing at the audience. So I did want it to be a much bigger movie in scope and scale, but I didn't know it was going to be that long. <laughs> it's also funny. That's the thing, too, is that, like, there's a lot of uh, sequences and particularly, like, the, the sense of humor reminded me of a John Waters movie at time, particularly, like, heard that the whole dream heard sequence that. Yeah. Uh, on the television set and everything. And I wondered, like, uh, yeah. what, you, what you thought about bringing a certain sense of humor. Really, in Art the Clown himself, one of the cool things about the characters that 
he's allowed to be funny as a clown, not just like sure. terrifying. And sure. I wondered like, was that important to you as well? Oh, very much, very much. Uh, after the first terrifier, when we were shooting terrifier, that's when I realized that the, his sense of humor was really important and it was really working. And also because the movie is so hardcore and the violence is so graphic, I didn't want people leaving these movies feeling like they just watched Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer or, or a film like that, which I, I love. I love those movies. But you, you leave those movies feeling sort of grim and bleak about the world and sort of down. And I wanted this to be a fun horror movie at the end of the day, one where you leave and you say, well, you know, it was sadistic and everything, but it's clearly based in fantasy. So I could sort of get away with some more of the horrible things that we do. But his, um, yeah, I mean, even his, you know, people don't realize, yeah, I, I love horror and I love the gore, but even his sense of humor, it, it's very organic. I, I guess I have a dark sense of humor. So it's very easy for me to write those sort of jokes and gags and the way kind of art winks at the audience after, after a killer dude does something does something funny. Um, so it's just become very natural to me to write that character and, and, and write those jokes. So uh, it's very important uh, that it, we remain consistent with the, with the character. But at the end of the day, we have to make sure, I say this to Dave and you know, everybody, we can never go too far with the comedy. It is essential that he remains sadistic and cold and chilling first and foremost at the end of the day, because once he becomes too cartoony or too hokey i think everything's going to fall apart and we're going to lose that that uh, the everything about him the allure the, the the effectiveness i think is going to be gone so it's important yeah sure now obviously one of the big calling cards of your movies are the kills and like how graphic how violent you even said yourself like one of the big uh, inspirations for you to even become a filmmaker was tom savini with the greatest kill maestro on screen of all time and i wonder do you have one that you consider your favorite or like is this a is this a let's say don't kill your darlings moment for you or like a sophie's choice for you like i just wondered because like terrifier 2 in particular is like it's a buffet for those of us who love gore yeah yeah um i would say at this moment um my favorite is in Terrifier 2 is the bedroom kill scene. Uh, so that was that was the one where we knew going in, we were going to try and rival the hacksaw scene or, or come close uh, just so people knew. I mean, now people have seen the movie. They're already talking about it. And that's the scene that most people say, oh, my God, that's that's the one. That's the scene that's going to be the showstopper. So that was that was a tough one. And it took us months. It was really just me and my producer, Phil, who is my makeup assistant we built all those effects and all those, that big prop body. And it was a lot of work. It was very ambitious. It was the craziest thing. It was way hard, more difficult uh, and time consuming than the hacksaw scene, which is what I would say I was known for uh, makeup effects wise until this movie. So yeah, most proud of that scene for sure. Now to kind of tr try and bring it on home a little bit. Um, you've every movie of yours again grows in scope from the last and it seems like you're trying to almost top yourself or do something better and bigger how do you top terrifier 2 how do you top the slasher epic um or do you even want to uh, go down that road in your brain at this point and just kind of luxuriate and like hey man like you said every movie's a gift i got a fucking movie out now like let's just enjoy it 
Yeah, I don't know how to uh, I don't know how to top it. I mean, we certainly it's not about now just everything's got to be bigger and longer. And I'm, I'm certainly not going to make a three hour movie next time. In fact, I'm pretty sure it will be shorter uh, next time. <laughs> but, uh, you know, again, like I said, see what I already have basically an entire Terrifier 3 outline. Uh, I know. Oh, wow. What, yeah, I know what I want to do, where I want to take the, the story. And it has a really cool right off the bat. It has a completely different setting that's going to automatically make the movie feel fresh. Um, I think the hardest part is going to be how do you keep topping these kill scenes and not fall into a level of extreme distaste or, or something? I mean, that's always a line I'm trying to walk. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sure tons of people see this movie and say, I've stepped way too far over a line and it's uh, you know ostracizing a lot of horror fans or people who can't take graphic violence. But believe me, I always, what you see, I've, I've imagined how I could have taken it 10 notches worse uh, but then I reel it in and I say, no, 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 we're going to, we're going to isolate too many people. So we got to bring it here. Um, uh, but I do have some really wild other imaginative kill scenes, uh, up my sleeve. So we'll see, but that's first and foremost, honestly, for me is, is the story. I'm most, um, uh, um, I'm interested in telling a full story with full character arcs. And if you're not invested on their journey, I mean, the kill scenes only get you so far. So that's my that's my main uh, concern. And as a horror fan, to kind of wrap everything up here, uh, I wondered what was the last cool thing that you saw. What was the last like great horror movie? It can be from the past. It can be from right now. Like, what's the last thing that totally blew your hair back and made you go, "I want to keep making horror movies"? Oh my god, um, I, that's a good question, man. I don't think I have one off the top of my head that really blew my mind i'm sure there is something you know what i i constantly watch older movies that i've just seen a million times i i primarily do that or you know there's this whole time where i've been working in you know post-production and i haven't really had time to jump into new shows and things like that so i'll throw on things in the background so like i i've watched breaking bad for like the fifth time <laughs> and, like, to me, that is the pinnacle of uh, I would say uh, could be anything. It could be TV shows, could be movies. I mean, that's some of the best writing, if not the best, and the, one of the most entertaining shows of all time. To me, that's absolute perfection. So I would strive to reach something on that level. That 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 would make you keep keep going and be like, wow, I have a long way to go before I could even touch something like that. So yeah, I wish I had a horror movie example or something, but nothing off the top of my head recently let's do it let's do a different version of the question then i'll ask you are the one of the main basis for our show secret handshake is the movies that you show your friends to kind of like form a bond with them over do you have one of those then like do you have one of those movies to where you're like i think this guy is on my level like i'm gonna show him this one that's always kind of been like the back pocket horror movie that like has always just blown my mind Oh, that's a good one. Um, yeah, it could be like, it, it depends. You really got to feel some people out because I could go into oh, some, sure. <laughs> I go into some dark places. But, You're not just going to jump right into Cannibal Holocaust. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, so it depends. Like if I want, you know, it might be, especially if it's somebody younger, it might be, uh, you know, the original Dawn of the Dead or Day of the Dead, something like that. Um, I mean, it could be something 
it could be something like class of 84. I mean, that's a movie that I know a lot of people haven't seen. I'm like, you gotta, if you like old school, legit exploitation movies, that's, that's like the cream of the crop right there for me. Um, I mean, there's even homages in terrifier too, like little ones to moments in class of 84. And so, yeah, I would say that I would say fucking class of 84. <laughs> if you like class of 84, you're my guy. You know? <laughs> well, you know what? I guess we're guys then, because that's one of my favorite movies of all time. Damien, thank you so much for taking the time out to speak with me. Thanks for being on the show. Your movies totally rock, and we can't wait to keep spreading the word on the Terrifier series. Uh, thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. It was great talking to you, man. All right, man. Have a great rest of your day.